0: Start the episode. Time is it? It's time to get
1: ill. It's the Tech and Bone Show. Another week, more has happened. What's going on, Tech? Yeah, hey, you doing, Bones? Uh, <laughs> a lot has happened. I actually had to, I had to unplug a little bit, man. Um, because it was just getting too, too crazy. You know, it just it from COVID to you know, what's going on now with the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, the the murder of, uh, you know, George Floyd, <clears throat> you know, I had to, one, I, I felt like, you know, I didn't want, I wanted to sit on it for a while, you know, it's been what, a week or so, about two weeks, right? A little of a week. It's been about, yeah. About, yeah, about two weeks. A couple um, of weeks. And we're because we were talking about this. We we're um
0: before it happened.
1: Indivi- yeah, the other individual. Um, because what sparked it was the the guy. Um, who Aubrey, was jogging.
0: Yeah, yeah, the jogger.
1: Yeah, Aubrey. He got fucking shotgun and you know, just that whole thing too. And it was like And I shortly before
0: that we had the gentleman who was a um, licensed concealed carrier holder at home with his girlfriend who's yes. a AM-
1: Oh man who
0: the police burst into their home, wrong house. The person they were looking for was already in custody. He fired once. They fired multiple rounds, killing um, his girlfriend. He did wound one of the officers in the leg. And they initially actually charged him with murder because oh, yeah. you know, we won't go into the details of how that works. But those charges have since been dropped. And before that, we also had the white female cop, I believe it was in Texas, who went to the wrong apartment and shot and killed a black man there. So it's it's been coming to a head in social media.
1: Yeah. Um, I, and honestly, uh, you know, this is, this is in front of you. but this stuff happens all the time. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and, and the way, the way that um, race has been weaponized by the media, you know, for, uh, I, I would say for other motives, you know, other lines of effort that are, are a lot bigger than this, but it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, this conversation that we seem to have over and over again as a country, it needs to happen. Because me and you both know from our backgrounds growing up the way that we did, you know, this isn't nothing new, you know? No, definitely not. So, you know, back to my point, you know, first of all, social media is a poor way to communicate. You know, period. You're not fucking changing minds. You know, all you're doing is virtue signaling. You know, and I know... For me, it it wasn't my place, right? I'm a perceived white male. You know, I'm not, you know, I got a little complicated background. However, let's just say for the most purposes, I'm a perceived white male. So I'm not going to say shit, you know what I mean? Because I don't know. I don't live in those people's shoes, you know what I mean? So I know I will keep my mouth shut, let everybody have their kind of catharsis, whether it's, you know, destructive or, or whatever, you know? I, I, I understand. I have empathy. I know what that is. And I know what it means. So I'm not going to be, you know, it's not appropriate to be on Facebook, you know, kicking out other statistics like, well, but, and this is, you, you know what I'm saying? Because, one, you're not helping. Okay. And like I said, you know, Facebook a poor choice to, to communicate anyways. And three... Like you're not doing shit, it's all lip service, right, and on the flip side of that, if you're fucking you know blacking out your Instagram and shit like that, nobody cares, you know what all this fucking energy, I know in my heart and you know my African American friends, people that I've served with, people that have been in my life, I know what they would want me to do is take my ass down to the local elections and dig in and find out who's you know who's who who's fucking. Uh, you know who who thinks it's okay to have no knock warrants? What county judge is hamstringing black people or, or giving like you know you know what I mean the uh, the fucked up sentences right? Because we've seen that one too. A lady gets fucking a couple years in jail for like jaywalking or some shit. Gets her kid taken away from me. I, I can't remember <coughs> the, the facts, but there's been egregious sentencing hearings as awful as that, right? The fucking kid who shot up a goddamn church gets perp walked out, no problems. But if you're, you know, a black man, or, or whatever, and, and you get hamstringed up on some fucking bullshit charges, you know, like that one kid who went to Rikers Island, didn't he kill himself because he couldn't take it? Yeah, uh, and it was like for a couple tickets? of things. It was fucking parking tickets, wasn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So spe- speaking specifically of like, so here's my my side of things is that. The system in and of itself is broken. It's not so much this individual or that individual. It is the system within their working that is broken. So when you extrapolate this instance or that instance, it's easy to point fingers at that individual for what he did in that instant. Yeah. But if we rewind it further, um, I forget what this exact saying is, but a doctor said, you don't, you don't cure the disease by curing the symptoms. You cure a disease by finding out what caused the disease. So it's not so much fighting the fever as why did the person get a fever in the first place? Yes, we have to address the fever because if not, we're going to lose our patient. But the solution is not to get better at fighting fevers. The solution is to figure out what's causing people to get the fevers and let's fight that. Yeah. So that's my issue. Because if you go into it and you point out certain little things, which we've seen that a lot of white people have been killed by cops, and it didn't make the race-baiting social media platform. We have a white gentleman that was on his knees with his hands up that was executed. You had another white gentleman that recently before, George, um, was killed in the same exact way. A knee was placed on his neck, and he was choked to death.
1: Yeah, um, Now, you, no, you're right. Like- I understand. My, I guess getting back to my point is um, you know, I understand what racism is. I understand what – institutionalized racism is, I understand what being prejudiced means, I understand what stereotyping is, you know, I understand what racial profiling is. Okay. And, you know, so, you know, I try not to get into and I'm not going to. But I guess my whole point is I understand what's going on and it's right. There is a problem in the United States. So if somebody's asked me, hey Mike, how where do you stand on this? I'm like, yeah, shit needs to change. There is a problem. Don't you can hit me up with the fucking statistics and all this bullshit like that. But just on those few examples I showed you that we've seen, you know, I, I look things at a totality, you know, in an in a, in a, in a all-encompassing thing. All right, you know, but now it's just getting to a point with social media that it's in our faces a lot more, and, and some things. um it's a super complicated issue. That's why we're talking about now. That's why I'm not on Facebook. But you know, back to my point that I'm, I'm getting around to is my black friends. Would want me to fucking exercise my political power to get these people that are in positions uh, uh, to to sentence African-Americans to, you know, racial profile, like, you know, to change who the cops are, change who's hiring the cops, change who the fucking judges are, you know, change, you know, change who the mayor is who props up these fucking people, you know, get these fucking people out because they're the problems, you know, correct. New York City is a great example of that because not too long ago, a few
0: years back, they had the whole stop and frisk fiasco where people were saying that it's against your constitutional right to just stop anybody randomly on the street and frisk them. You can't just do that. That's that's not America. That's not the American way. But because crime did go down during stop and frisk, which, of course, it will, because now you have a Gestapo like police force that can just stop any random person on the street and randomly search through their pockets and their bags and their pocketbooks. Yes, they did reduce crime. So what did the people in New York do? Look the other way at an insane violation of human rights. Why? Because it wasn't affecting them. Until it affects them or it becomes a popular topic, they're okay with it. It's only when they get stopped and frisked for no good reason. It's only when someone they care about get, quote unquote, harassed by the cops for no good reason, that all of a sudden it bothers them. Or when it becomes a popular topic of conversation, when it becomes popular to wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, when it becomes popular to take a knee, when it becomes popular to black out your Instagram profile picture, then all of a sudden these flag-waving individuals are quick to jump on the bandwagon. But when it comes time to go vote for the people that made it okay to stop and frisk, when it comes time to say it's not all right for law enforcement to act this way towards these people, they don't do anything about it.
1: Yeah, um case in point. That's really that's irritating and I'm trying to be constructive and, uh you know, pragmatic about everything, but I saw that video. Some fucking random white chick um, stopped some guy who was boarding up his own business so she could pose with this hammer as her boyfriend. <laughs> As her boyfriend takes pictures of her for her Instagram account, right? And she gives the guy back and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And she, like, walks back. They're getting to some kind of Mercedes or some bullshit. And she's like, thanks, guys. BLM. And they just drive off. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So that she could post on her Instagram account, Virtue Signal, and be like, hey, look at me. Uh, hashtag BLM. Stuff like that. And that's going on all over the place. And fucking, it fucking – it kind of irritates me a little bit because – you know, first of all, <laughs> who the fuck are these? Like, you're not helping. It's disingenuous. It's, yeah, there you go. It's disingenuous, right? And it, and plus, me, I don't want to hear somebody who ain't fucking never lived in the hood or spent a considerable amount of time in the hood. You know, uh, uh, you know, posting, you know, their like, or flaunting moral moral superiority online, and that's it. That's where it ends. You know, um. Dude, I've got a great example for that.
0: I'm at a barbecue with some friends in Orlando, Florida, years and years ago. And I'm not going to call out the person who it was. Um, They're a nice person. I know them. They're a cool person. But given their position in the military, when they were in Iraq, they have he has a picture. because He's going through photographs. You know, everybody's interested in seeing photos of deployments and stuff. And there's a picture of him, and he's standing over a guy, and the guy's on his knees, and he's got his hands behind his head. But um, when I talked to the individual one on one, I found out that that picture was actually posed for. They actually um, bribed the guy; they paid him to let them take the picture like that. Oh my and I god! Started, I wasn't really like offended so much as I was laughing because I was like, "Why? Why would you bother doing that? Like, you're in a war zone." You've got guns. If you want a picture of somebody on their knees, you have a rifle. You could put somebody on their knees. Like that's the, the the cynical part of me was just, you know, like, wow. Like if I wanted that picture, I could get that picture. But I don't see what the need was to get that picture in the first place, to make yourself look cool. Like you didn't just guard a motor pool the whole time you were on deployment, I guess. I, 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 I guess it impressed the people at the barbecue. They, they seemed pretty impressed by the photograph. But it had the opposite effect on me. It looked clownish. It looked hilarious. It was like, wait a minute, you did what? You paid someone to get on their knees and take a picture? Uh, I put plenty of people on their knees, and I never thought this is a great time to make a photo op so that I can then later show this at a barbecue or at a bar or at a party and I, be like, oh, you yeah. Know, that is clownish. I I, yeah. I
1: don't... You know, it's... Yeah, the country's really divided right now, man, and it, it's being weaponized, and I just feel people are getting really swept up, and yeah, I don't know. It, it is an issue. That's what pisses me off because it is an issue, but I feel like what's going on cheapens everything, like how it's being used, how it's being weaponized. You know what I'm saying? It's just all – But that's exactly it's like, it. It's what like What you said right there, that's
0: exactly what it is. It cheapens everything because when all you're doing is saber-rattling and flag-waving – you're cheapening the stance. So like my girlfriend was listening to some um, videos earlier today and had a really great clip from Morgan Freeman. If you haven't heard it, you should definitely listen to it. It's it's amazing. Very well-spoken, very eloquent, Where he doesn't want to be called a black man. He doesn't want to call people a white man. He doesn't want black history month, you know, And, and he makes a lot of great points there. And I think when you sit there and just do this disingenuous BLM rap saber rattling. You take away from the people that really made change. You take away from the Martin Luther Kings. You take away from the people that really did stand up for equality. That that, that were in the trenches. That were there for black rights, women's rights, gay rights. When you just want to have like you know Pride Week and you throw on a rainbow shirt and you throw on your cool limited edition rainbow Adidas and you march with your gay friends and that's all you do. You're you're being incredibly false. You're being incredibly shallow. Like, do do you actually care about gay rights? Do you care that people get discriminated against because of their sexual preference, or are you just doing it because it's really cool and really popular, and you can post a picture of yourself to social media doing your really cool, really popular act?
1: Yeah. Um. But there, you know, there are a lot of other fucking people uh, just kind of missing missing the point. You know, especially when they start. Posting like, uh, you know, uh, counter arguments and or, yeah, but what about this or shit like that? Because for me, you know, my black friends, they all have kids and I know, or at least I I don't, I don't know, but I understand that as a parent for them, you know what I mean? Like they have to tell their kids other shit that I, my mom didn't have to tell me, you know what I mean? When it, when it comes right. to, when it comes to police, you know, simply because they're black, I understand that, you know, and when I think about it in those terms, that's what, you know, bridges that shit for me. Like, that's where I take my stand. Like, look, nobody should have to do that. You know, my, my, um my friends shouldn't have to tell their kids, like, hey, fucking watch out for this. If this fucking happens, don't do that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they don't have their shit, and I'm going to boil it down to like in army terms. Their shit and their fucking safety briefing, the other, um, that white parents and, uh, you know, depending on where you live, don't, don't have to put that in the kids' safety brief for the kids. Like, these fucking kids that live here in Sacramento don't have to get no, you know, they got different parameters. And I understand that. And, and, you know, so people, I don't think a lot of people can think, unless you have, like black people in your life, I don't think you would know, you know, or yeah. Cause you know, when I say in your life, I mean like, other than a superficial work relationship, like maybe, you know, the deeper meaning and stuff like that. And plus, like I said, I've seen it. I know you've seen it in real life. So, you know, um, well, yeah. Like again, another, another
0: fun story. Um, I'm in the South Bronx at the time living in Hunts Point. And my younger brother is outside with like two or three of his friends walking down the block. And the jump out squad, which is NYPD undercover, jumps out of a minivan, has a car block him off in the front, slams him against the wall, frisk everybody, blah, blah, blah. So while this is going on, it's right down the street from the supermarket that my father owns. One of our customers or whatever runs into the store and says, hey, man, your little brother's outside and they got him against the wall. So, of course, I go out there. It just so happens that my parents are around. So they come outside as well and my mom kind of gets into it with the conflict like, what are you doing with my son and the cops response was did you know that your son is associating with drug dealers and my father i got to love him because he's very non confrontational but this time i guess he had to stand up for his kid looks the cop dead in the eyes and goes we're in hunt's point 99% of the community is related to drug dealers and so <laughs> like what do you want him to do not go outside like, that's it? Just leaving his stoop and saying hi to somebody is enough for you to jump out of a vehicle and slam them against the wall and start frisking them? Then how do you want them to live in this community? Because what you're saying is that in this entire community is up for grabs. You you have the right to do whatever you want because they may or may not be associating with drug dealers. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. No,
1: I know. And, and, uh, Yeah. And when I, when I think about this stuff and I, and I think about, you know, race in America, you know, as it pertains to, to black Americans, <clears throat> you know, I'm like, well, how the fuck would I fix it? And, you know, because it's so it's such a complicated thing. And I like I said, back to the whole social media shit, I just think that's the poorest form. You're not. It's, it's just it's just a it's just a battleground for people to virtue signal. You know, and if you fucking say anything or try to have any kind of conversation or, or say something that's not on message, boom, canceled. You're a racist. Uh, find your way off my friend list. You know, end the story. If you don't understand, then you're never going to understand. And that ain't how shit works. That's not how the fucking. Correct. That's not how the civil rights movement fucking went down. You, you know, um, Well, it's like you brought up in a conversation we
0: had earlier about Daryl Davis and how he converted more than 200 KKK members and got them to like change their ways. Daryl Davis did not go to these communities and start screaming about Black Lives Matter or about you being a racist. They knew they were racist. They're freaking full-fledged KKK members. They don't need to be told that they're racist. What they need to be told is that their ideology is wrong and this is why. Yes. That's how you convert people. And that's all Not by throwing stones, not by having riots, by sitting down and having conversations and making the person realize that their skewed perception of another race, religion, sexual preference is a negative and it's not based on anything that they should be embracing. Yeah, exactly. It's sad that people really think they're going to, quote, unquote, make a difference by calling someone racist. That's not going to help that person be more open-minded towards their own flaw. You know, how about having a conversation? How about talking to them? I mean, how amazing. Let's rewind. How amazing is that? Converted 200 KKK members. That takes effort. Yeah, I, that I'm going to. That requires commitment. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when I, um I haven't finished watching that podcast with Joe Rogan, but that was just like, geez, and and the guy's—he's just a musician, man. I'm like I, so I'm, I'm very—I I just sort of kind of touched on it, and I, I came up on it because you know, what's going on and stuff, and I just thought that was an amazing story. Um, but it is, and I've seen pictures of him where he
0: has like the robes, like these clan members would would surrender their robes to him would actually be like, I no longer want to be this way because of you. Here, take this. I don't have any more need for it. You know how powerful that yeah. is? You know how amazing that is? That somebody said, something that I've stood up for and believed in is wrong. I want to admit that that's wrong and I want to start growing from this point forward. Here, take these vestments of my past because I don't want to look at them. I don't want to have them as like souvenirs. Yeah. I want you to take them, and I want you to tell people, that the person that wore this robe doesn't think that way anymore because of a conversation they had with you.
1: That's power. That's the power of education and understanding and brotherhood. Yeah, and I'm sure that wasn't like a one shot. You know, that, those are multiple conversations. Um, you know, because that stuff's not inherently... <clears throat> I don't think that stuff's instinctual. That is a learned, indoctrinated brainwashing much much of like what's going on with like like I said um uh like a lot of people are pointing out the 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 craziness so yeah did you watch the inter uh the, the the press the press release with uh killer mike when um him and the uh the mayor of Atlanta did you happen to see that at all? No I
0: didn't catch that. No, he was you Tell know, me.
1: Oh, he, uh, he's a perfect example, you know. Uh I I think, you know he, he, he's like, hey, I grew up here in Atlanta and he talked about all the businesses he owns. Him and like, T.I. own a bunch of businesses in Atlanta shit. You shit. Know, he's from a family of cops. You know? So he understands that side of the thing. But he's also he, he pointing out his frustration and he said and he talked to everybody out because everybody wanted to fucking go. That's when they were like looting or tried to overrun the CNN headquarters. Uh, you know, pretty much fuck up your own town. You know, which is kind of ridiculous. And he's urging people to go home. And he talked about like how you know you wanna uh you, you wanna make change. Uh you know, looting ain't fucking it, and you know, rioting ain't it. You gotta you gotta go to the fucking ballot box. Like what I talked about at the opening of the show. You gotta find out who the hell who's counting and, and you know that stuff's hard. So you can go there, and you can make all the right votes, and, and it still might not matter, you know. So, what's next? So, we talked about this other thing too cop culture. You know, I have friends who, who are in law enforcement. I have friends who, you know, blue lives matter, all that bullshit. You know, I don't say it's bullshit, but it's like, you know, all the platitudes. You know, there's, there's all different, there's right. whatever fucking flavor you want, man. Okay. However, I know I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> okay. You know, cop culture needs to change from the militarization of cop culture to, you know, uh, I may be a better selection thing because ever since I would say maybe 2011, 2012 is is basically when it really for me, cause like I said, I've been in the army my entire adult life. So for me, I've had the uh, the liberty of being apolitical for the most part, right? you know, um, sexual things like sexual harassment, women's rights. Uh, equal opportunity in um, the army you know it's very there's no tolerance for that shit right so yeah. and and you get, a, you get a bunch bunch of people from the crossroads of America so I've had the liberty as a leader at, as well you know to squash that shit with impunity at my own discretion and I have the authority I have the credibility the responsibility and the authority to shut shit like that down you know even when it was, you always had to uphold that line, you know, for example, I remember, you know, being with a squad and we're, I'm infantry, man, and you were infantry. Anybody's listening to infantry knows how, you know, we get down in the barracks and shit. And, you know, as a sergeant, you know, as a non-commissioned officer, at, at a certain point, you can't be a Joe, right? You have to separate your shit. And so as was with my dudes. And I had two black guys, black soldiers and shit. And, you know, we're all kind of just shooting the shit. And, uh, you know, I think we are waiting for chow or something. And <laughs> one of my black soldiers or, you know, they're 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 jokesters. You know, I, I, they're, they're goofing around. You're like, hey, son, you know, us black people love that chicken because I think we we're getting fucking chicken or some bullshit like that. And we had to wait. We couldn't go online first. And when he made a comment, I did like taking a sign like, Hey man, you you can't, you can't say that stuff because the wrong person hears it, even though he's black and he was fucking around, I have white soldiers, you know, they're impressionable. They're all friends. And, and, you know, what they do in the barracks in the room, you know, but as an NCO, I have to hold a certain line, you know, even though it made me look kind of stupid, you know, because he gave me a look. He's like, come on, man, for real. You know what I mean? But I had to, in yeah. front of the other guys, you know, be like, hey, we, we, can't, we can't do that.
0: You can't crack jokes like, like hey. that. Because if it was – and the reason for that is, for those of you who are wondering, um, or for those of you who think that was an overreaction, is because had it been a white soldier and the white soldier said, oh, yeah, they're getting grumpy because you know how blacks like their chicken." Then it would have been, oh, my God. You know, so it, it has to work both ways. You don't get to crack those jokes in an environment where someone else isn't allowed to crack those jokes. It's just not acceptable behavior. Yeah,
1: and I explained that to him. Not, not in that way, but I was like, hey, man, um, that's stereotyping. I had to put my – what we call my – because we have two things. We got uh, <laughs> we got Sharp, the Sharp program, which is the sexual harassment and assault uh, response prevention program and then we also have the equal opportunity program right which covers you know racism prejudice against you know you know religion sex you know all that other stuff you know and so i had to put my eo hat on and be like hey you can't do that you know um because once you let stuff like that slide it just leads to other things and and was not overreaction it, i don't know it actually in my experience it
0: encourages other things you start with the jokes and then that leads to the next step and it's, a, it's like a gateway drug of it, sorts yes. because then you start lowering your standards of your of conduct, how you conduct yourselves, and it bleeds into other areas of your conduct. Yeah,
1: so we, anyways, in the army, I have the authority to nip that shit in the bud however I see fit, right? But as a civilian, I, I don't anymore. And other civilians, because what, what that, was that racism? Anybody, somebody listening like, well, that was pretty racist, aren't? Was it? What was he stereotyping? Was he being prejudiced? Was he stereotyping or was it racism? And that's important because, yeah, that's important because
0: people are are blurring the lines between racism, stereotyping, prejudice. It's not the same thing. There's different levels to this game. So when you you try to, like, mash it all together into a gumbo of inequality, again, you're taking away from the important points. The important thing isn't that you can or cannot tell a quote-unquote off-color joke. The important thing is that you can't conduct yourself or you shouldn't conduct yourself in such a way that hinders somebody else's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the question at hand. Um, On that point, I want to bring something up that's ironic as hell. Two different friends of mine on Facebook that I know through the motorcycle community, for those of you who don't know, I'm an avid motorcyclist. Two different friends of mine, both posted recently on two different forums has anyone tried not breaking the law because that way you don't get in trouble with the cops or something along those lines? Hey, has anybody oh, tried yeah. maybe not getting in yeah. trouble with the law? And, you know, what made this ironic was that, A, lots of people were not doing anything uh, wrong that got harassed by cops. I've, I've seen it hundreds, if not thousands of times in it's my ha- life, living in multiple yeah. cities all along the eastern Coast. It's keyboard. actually physically happened to me. Um, but, you know. Yeah, oh, it's definitely happened to me. But here's the irony of that comment from both of those individuals. They're both bikers. Like they forget that not that long ago, just riding a Harley Davidson alone got you stereotyped by the police. Having a vest immediately got you stereotyped by the police and store owners, whether that's a gas station or a restaurant or a bar, we don't want your company is not just used against blacks. No. It's also used against whites in urban neighborhoods. It's also used against bikers internationally, because this isn't even an American phenomenon. There are plenty of places where, trust me, if three or four guys, no colors, no cuts, I'm not saying anything that's quote-unquote MC-related, just three or four guys on motorcycles, specifically Harley-Davidson or Harley-Davidson-type bikes, rolled into a town, they would immediately be stereotype. They would immediately get the cold shoulder. They would immediately get a treatment lesser than someone who pulled into that same town in a station wagon with their three or four friends going to go watch NASCAR or a football game. These other three or four guys are taking their Harleys to go watch that same NASCAR race or that same football game. And believe me, the the welcome would not be as warm. And if we go back Not that long ago, it was widespread. You know, after the whole Orange County choppers thing and all the Rolex riders, you know, jumped off board, it kind of got watered down to where it's not as bad. But before motorcycle culture became socially palatable on Orange County choppers and West Coast Customs and, and Sons of Anarchy, literally, I can tell you hundreds, if not thousands of stories from myself and my friends, mostly because I didn't get into motorcycling until a little bit later in life. But I definitely grew up around it my entire life. So I hung around bikers. I made it a point to hang around bike shops, tattoo parlor. It always intrigued me. I always knew I was going to be one one day. So I was that little runt kid getting kicked yeah. out of places. And I remember it being crystal clear. If three or four bikes are parked outside a bar, the cops are coming to that bar to check it out. Yeah. If three or four bullets roll into a gas station, they're basically strongly encouraged to pump up their tanks and keep on riding. Do not wait. Do not hang out. Do not stretch your legs. Do not crack your back. Hurry up and get back on your motorcycles and get out of here. So the fact that these two individuals made those posts, try not doing anything illegal, and maybe the cops won't harass you, is ridiculous to me. Because I'm like, wait a minute. Both of these individuals are older than me, and I'm 44. Both of these individuals are white bikers that have been doing it for a long time. So don't tell me you've never experienced it. I'm going to call BS. Go to Daytona for bike week, which is like the most family friendly event and see how bad the cops are. They're on every street corner giving tickets for anything, uh, wearing sunglasses after the sun goes down, just anything to a make revenue because they get money for all those tickets and B discourage bikers from hanging out in their town any more than they have to. They don't mind their money. They don't mind when they stay in the hotels or drink thousand dollar bar tabs in their bar, but then they want them out of here as quickly as possible because bikers are not embraced across the board in most communities. It's still an outcast culture. So the fact that these outcasts are throwing shade on other
1: outcasts is ridiculous to me. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah, and, and the fact too is, um, I've seen that same thing. A lot of people are sharing it. As um, a matter of fact, we talked. What we talked about offline was that conversation I had with uh, my sister's childhood friend from high school. That was the exact same thing that she that generated that whole thread. And uh, the particular person shared that thing, and then everybody's like, "Boom! You're a racist. Uh, you know, cancel. You know, the same thing that we're talking about." Okay. And I made the comment, I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I made the example of uh, the guy converting all the Ku Klux Klan members, right? That, that's like, that's something really substantial. And, he, and I was like, look, <clears throat> I guess the point I was trying to make with that comment that I made was like, hey, uh, you, you can't just, you know, because there's like hashtag BLM, hashtag change, uh, be the change, hashtag whatever platitude, Right. And I'm like, well, by telling somebody, hey, you're a racist, get off my fucking friends list with that comment. How are you changing? How are you being the change? What exactly are you changing? And what are you trying to change? And can you quantify that change? So I made that remark, like, look, that's not changing people's minds, you know? And it was that same thing. What I would have told her, you know, I'm like, hey, instead of fucking blowing up on Facebook and like, get your, you know, being, instead of virtue signaling, I was like, hey, first of all, that's uh that's super it's fucking ridiculously insensitive okay because what you're implying is that you know uh that police brutality doesn't happen against you know you're uh you're, you're negating the whole fact of oh, what's going on whether he was doing something illegal right. or not doesn't mean you you're alluding to the already. idea that what
0: happened happened because they did something else that led to that. And it's it's the same argument as, well, that wouldn't have happened to her if she didn't dress that way. That's a horrible, horrible argument.
1: No, that's exactly.
0: Regardless of how a young lady dresses or even if she's acting in a promiscuous fashion, And no point does that give me carte blanche like, oh, I checked these three boxes. Her skirt is this short, her heels are that long, and she batted her eyelashes at me. I'm good to go. No, that's not the case. And the same thing happens. Yes, maybe the individual that was selling cigarettes illegally in New York City did deserve to be arrested. Maybe he did deserve to uh, receive a fine or go to jail. Maybe he did deserve to have the cops use a certain degree of force when he wasn't complying with them. But he didn't deserve to die overselling illegal exactly. cigarettes. So you saying, yeah, exactly. So oh, you're saying, that, but you illegal cigarettes it could not have happened, you're making it seem like it's okay. Hey, you know what? Maybe she shouldn't have gotten in the car with the guys that she didn't recognize. Maybe she shouldn't have had too much to drink. Maybe a lot of things she did were wrong, At no point does that make their actions okay towards
1: her. It doesn't. And that brings us back to cop culture. Because, and this is something that we brought up since 2012, especially with the, uh, with the riots and the protests being shut down with the, you know, Occupy Wall Street. They went in there and fucking jack-killed all those fucking kids. And that was a pretty peaceful, for the most part, those are pretty peaceful, um, you know, Protests Protest. and they fucking went in there and cracked skulls. And yeah, and, and, you know, especially with the and over the years, I guess over the decade, with the the whole issue of police, uh, police brutality. And this brings back to cop culture is you know, in the army, I'm an yeah. infantryman. My job literally is to win by attrition. Okay. I'm to occupy a, a, a piece of ground and kill until there is no other guy and i hold that ground all right and there's been instances where it's been uh you know no rules of engagement put in a lot of rules of engagement as a matter of fact most recently and a thing too even when there are rules of engagement there has to be a proportionality of response of force right and that doesn't seem to be that way with cops at all you know and i can cite a whole bunch of things and and i keep hearing from cops like hey you know, my number one job is to come home alive to my family. Is that your number one job? Who told you that? Right. And I think that's a great point you're making.
0: That, that, and it's such a, a, a saying among law enforcement. And I, I also have friends that are law enforcement. I have family members that I love with all my heart that are law enforcement. So I'm not cop bashing. But when your mentality, when you get up and put the uniform on in the morning, is that your number one job is to get home to your family then you shouldn't be doing that job because that's not your number one job. Your number one job is to hope that everyone around you gets home safe to their families. And I think that's a big, big difference in the military and law enforcement in our training. It's almost, At it almost no seems, point it almost that seems backwards
1: because my own entire, if you were to tell me, hey, define where your job is, it literally says there to close with the enemy by fire maneuver, to repel his assault and counterattack. All right. And it says that uh, close combat is defined by extreme violence and psychological shock right that's my yeah and in a less militaristic my, doctrine my job description and
0: <laughs> right that's a, that's literally the job description in the u.s military and yeah. whatever. but to, to, to define that in a more casual term for everybody listening basically as light infantry specifically which means that we actually walk we actually walk into combat we see who it is we're shooting at we see who's shooting at us our job is to make the enemy not want to fight anymore by using violence. Force of violence is a common term in our training. That's literally our job. At no point in any of my briefings in anything, except maybe at the end when like that feel good officer would say it, let's all try to get back safe. Because at no point was that part of the job. Getting home safe, wasn't the point. That's right. The mission was the point. We all accepted the fact that some of us might not make it home. That's just part of the job. So you didn't do everything in your power to get home safe. You did everything in your power to win. And that's one thing.
1: I, Getting yeah. home safe was and that's the one in and, and war, you should try to win for the most part. And we do. But the difference between I guess the military and the cow culture, which I want to change, is like I said. The response and proportionality, uh, you know, force response, right? So I'm I'm engaging a certain amount of people. I can't then take, like, hey, we got a platoon of insurgents. I cannot then take a, a nuclear bomb and drop it on them. I would go to prison. All right. To make it more realistic, I cannot take a uh, a, a 50 cal machine gun and decimate You know, a little village just in, you know, and in in the process, of course, I'm going to kill the bad guys, but I'm also fucking everything up. You know, I would go to prison for that. So to make the analogy. All right. Cops shouldn't be able to fucking like execute somebody off of a fucking speeding ticket.
0: Correct. Cops shouldn't even be allowed to draw guns on people. Who obviously have both hands on the wheel and are just simply not complying with their commands to the degree that they want them complied yeah. with. And there are thousands of videos on YouTube of exactly that happening.
1: Ever since these dash yeah, cams I know, became more I know. affordable, and I know you see people and I know what people are gonna say to rebut that, because you've seen the other videos too where cops have been killed um, very quickly by like uh, you know, just on random stops. You know, I've seen the I've yeah. seen those videos too. I've studied them because they're you know, it's part of our uh you know, some of our training. We watch stuff like that. We watch like cop videos like that, we watch uh you know, prison riots. Yeah, you know, people like saying they have
0: seconds to do where you have, you know, days to discuss and debate afterwards. That was a split second decision, they had to do what they did, blah, 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 because that's how they get home safe. And it's like Yeah, but if you can't handle split second decisions, if you can't handle being in the face of danger, you shouldn't do this job because, hey, let me give you a little wake up call. The vast majority of cops that die in this country don't die by being shot. They die in traffic accidents. Their odds of being killed by the stupid individuals who are texting and driving while they're at a traffic stop are significantly higher than them getting killed by the person who has a, a desire to do harm and is arm at a traffic stop. So, you, you see that so, on that? Because yeah. I, 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 I haven't, I haven't looked,
1: dug into that, but I, I assume that you've. Yeah, here. I'll, I'll go oh, right right? well, I just talking. saying that you read that at some point, you know, because everything I'm talking about, yeah. I've, seen it, I've read it. I might not be able to sit here, you know, Harvard style, like, well, let me refer to my notes and uh, my footnotes and reference number one. You know what I mean? But I have right. everything that we talk about in this podcast, you know, we have first hand knowledge of. You know, and I've also you know read stuff, you know, or whatever. But yeah, no, I think um, you know, one that's like one that's a big issue, and I don't know if that's trained in. And I, you've seen the guy, man, like Officer Tackleberry. Of course, I'm you know generalizing and I'm probably stereotyping, but you got the guy who was either in the military or where she was in the military. And they just like, they like having that authority, man. They're like the uniform. And that's another reason why like, Hey man, they're like, Mike, why don't you go in the, be a law enforcement? Cause I don't want to, cause I feel that culture is not for me because, uh, you know, I feel that if I was to put on the uniform and then act like I was and be myself, that I either would not make it very long in, in the officer community, I'd probably be ostracized. Kind of like Serpico type shit. That's just me being maybe cynical or whatever, but I feel that way, you know? Because I would be like, hey, what the fuck are we doing? Hey, you can't do why are you doing that? And plus I don't want to go through all I just don't, you know, that's that's how I feel. You know? And like I said, I don't know hey, if that's real quick. Yeah.
0: So I'm gonna hop in here because just cause I looked it up. So I'm at cdc.gov forward slash. And it's got all kinds of, you know, different government, you know, statistics and stuff in the last 10 years, on average, more than one officer per week has been killed on our nation's roads between 2006, 2016 equals 64 deaths per year. Most year motor vehicle related incidents include crashes and being struck by moving vehicles while on foot are the main cause of death for officers. 2016 was an anomaly in that motor vehicle related deaths came second to firearms. 1,512 officer line-of-duty deaths, 460 officer line-of-duty deaths due to vehicle crashes for 30%, 130 officer line-of-duty deaths due to being struck by a vehicle for another 9%. So a total of 39% of officer duty deaths were directly related to vehicle crashes and being struck by a vehicle.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: So I guess... In 16, that's when it became an anomaly that it came in second to firearms. But then you got to take those firearm deaths and you got to divide those up between firearm deaths at traffic stops and firearm deaths everywhere else, including accidents, including perp on cop, you know, violence in other areas. So. The actual traffic stop incident of the cop pulls the guy over and all of a sudden the guy pulls the gun out from between the seats or under his lap and starts shooting. That's the statistic that I was looking at yeah. previously. Just those. Taking those apart from the big number, breaking it sure. down. You know- what I'm saying is if you're if you have to be careful because you don't know what the guy in the car is doing, which I respect, and I understand that. You you can't act like you're not being careful by standing on the right side of the car because a lot of your coworkers have been killed by moving vehicles at traffic stops. So you can't just put it under a blanket statement that it's totally fine for while the person has both hands on the wheel but are not
1: complying for me to immediately draw my firearm and point it at their face. You know, I, I know. And, you know, there's other people... Uh, well, there's probably a lot of people out there who can going to be like, you know what, Bones, Tech, you guys aren't fucking cops. What the fuck do you know about law enforcement? You're right. I don't know. I do not know. As a matter of fact, very recently, all right, a lieutenant uh, used to be one of my lieutenants. His brother just passed away. He was a uh, law enforcement officer. He, he fucking died uh, responding to a shootout uh, somewhere in like South Dakota or something. You think um, that lieutenant? Uh, listen to our podcast. You think he's going to agree with? I, so I understand that there's other factors. He probably don't hear any of that shit. He don't want to. Probably he probably don't want to fucking hear. You know, uh, you know anything, any any kind of kickback from? Hey, man, you shouldn't say blue lives matter. Like the the, you know, because that was his brother died in certain in the in, 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 in the line of duty. You think he's going to want to hear this shit? Fuck no. So I understand that. Of course, I understand no. that there are. Other things happening, and that things factor in it, you know. And I'm empathetic to that shit too, you know. Um, but if you were to ask me, like, well, that's just it. I don't think I don't think being pro
0: police reform is being anti police. I don't want there to be a society without police officers. That's that's a Nirvana fallacy. It, it won't oh, work. So you, but I don't want yeah. you putting on a uniform and a badge to make you think and to make citizens think that you have greater rights than me, that you all of a sudden are a superhero with a cape on, and if you have to choke somebody out or if you have to put a gun in somebody's face to do your job and, quote-unquote, get home safe tonight, that that's okay, that that somehow makes it all right. So here's another example. I'll take away the fact that I was a U.S. Army infantry soldier in a combat arena and did not conduct myself the way a lot of these cops do. I'll take all that away and just state the fact that I am a concealed carrying weapons license holder in the state of Florida. What that means is I legally carry a firearm on a regular basis. So I'm legally carrying a firearm when I'm at the supermarket, when I'm running errands, when I go to the hardware store. So if I see violence being committed by an individual or another individual, I also have seconds to react. I have to figure out whether or not I want to get involved. I have to figure out whether or not that person's right or that person's right. Who's defending themselves? Because the minute I draw my firearm, I am under an extreme amount of scrutiny under the law, much greater than a uniformed police officer, because I don't have a police union to back me up for my actions. Much greater than a uniformed police officer, because I don't have my social media pundits that are going to rally behind my actions and say I deserve to be defended because blue lives matter. I'm just a regular Joe that took it upon themselves to have the great responsibility of legally carrying a firearm. And I now have seconds to decide whether or not I should step in and use that firearm to stop the committal of a crime or grievous bodily injury or harm to somebody. I take that voluntary responsibility very seriously. And I behave myself and conduct myself in such a way to take it very seriously. I don't think that because I have a gun that gives me the right to start flaunting it, to end every road rage accident, to stop every husband and wife dispute where they're screaming at each other in a car, to get involved in other people's day-to-day life because I find their behavior suspicious. And in no way, I'm not a Texas Ranger. It does not <laughs> give me that right, you know? Yeah. So if I think conduct myself that way. Then I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm not going to give any excuses to anybody
1: else, in and or out of uniform, to conduct themselves differently. Oh man! I Also, I just thought of that until I forgot about it. I saw it this morning, so I'm flipping on uh, my smart TV, and I got Amazon, Netflix, and shit like that, right? So, of course, all the uh, corporate motherfuckers are like, "Yeah, Black Lives Matter. We stand with you." All this bullshit, right? The 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 most flipping uh, the most. Fucking the hypocrisy, man! All right, so I turned on Amazon last night to watch uh, to watch some TV shows, and at the time I was like, "Hey, Amazon stands with you. We understand, you know, Black Lives Matter, so and so." And I wanted to be like, "Oh yeah," like the black guy who was fucking, you know, uh, trying to look out for his dudes that he just wanted a face mask, and then you motherfuckers try to add your corporate meeting where it's like, "Hey, how can we frame this African American as uh, not intelligent?" And uh, make him the face of the f- fucking union movement for Amazon. That does, did his life matter when you smeared him and fucking fired him from Amazon just for trying to protect his people? You know, I don't, I don't right. remember remember that that dude. He was trying to yeah you, yeah the, yeah, yeah the, I don't the, COVID outbreak yeah. We- <laughs> and you don't see that shit anywhere. I, like I you know that's another thing too, man. Um, uh, the past ten years, I remember shit. You know. People don't. I fucking. I'm taking notes. You know. I know fucking uh, Joe Biden was part of that crime bill that fucking Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton fucking put together back in the '90s that fucking destroyed black families. I forget that shit. You know. Yeah. Uh, and well, dude, that's the thing.
0: People don't realize that they're lackeys for the corporate entities that are out there as much as they really should. I think they kind of like have it on their peripheral but they don't get that they're actually being manipulated. Um, Fox News is under a lot of flack recently because they showed a chart where the outspoken death of an African-American can directly correlate to the stock market going up. Somehow, some way, someone has figured out an algorithm to profit off of this. Yeah. So don't think that there aren't people who don't care at all about the movement that aren't profiting from it. Believe me, there are because there's plenty of people out there that'd be more than happy to sell a black lives matter t-shirt that don't care at all about the black lives matter movement. If they can get 1999 yeah. and don't no, think I, for a yeah. second that there no. aren't profiteers out there that want you burning down cities that want you damaging public works that are going to turn around and profit off of it. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me, uh, uh, I was talking to a customer of mine the other day and they were like, yeah, My buddy didn't even board up his business. And when I asked him why not, he said, because it's insured. I hope they burn it down. Jesus Christ. That was like a, (laughs) yeah, that was like a flippant comment that he made, but it got me thinking how many people out there aren't profiting off of this? How many people that maybe their business wasn't doing that well, that maybe, uh, you know, bills are piling up. It's not going the way they thought they've got a, you know, rental property or they've got a restaurant or a bar or like, Hey man. You know, it'd be a good
1: place to start the riot right here.
0: Dude.
1: Damage my stuff. I wasn't paying attention uh then and, and plus I wasn't old enough to understand. We weren't old enough to understand, but it's the same fucking playbook, man. We saw this go we saw this go down in 92. We didn't really understand what it was, we just knew the fucking country was burning. You know what I mean? This is it's 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 cyclic, man. You know.
0: All right, well, for our listeners, what are you
1: referring to specifically the, in 92? The LA riots, dude. Rodney King. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, oh you yeah, know, I can... All of that shit,
0: you know... And... Hey, I'm going to take a moment to be pro 2A for a second, because that made me flash back and forward to 92, the Korean shop owners defending their stores with their legal firearms and people saying, see, that's why you need firearms. So today, modern time, I saw a recent picture of, again, the Korean store owners protecting their property. But I also see a lot of pictures of armed citizens protecting entire communities. And a lot of them in a lot of instances are being painted as like these gun wielding thugs because, you know, how is that helping or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? It's easy to point fingers when it's not your business they're standing in front of that they're protecting. Yeah. It's easy to point fingers when it's not your neighborhood that they're standing at the entrance to, making sure that nobody gets the wrong impression, that we will not lay down, that we will defend ourselves using grievous bodily harm, if necessary.
1: Oh, yeah, man. And, and for me, like I said, I I might have to, when I have some time, to go back and kind of look at that, because I want to because we understand, me and you understand, like, the totality of everything, like, how this is being weaponized for political purposes. There's multiple lines of effort going on in the country. I mean, Jesus Christ, the the fucking, they got uh, Colin Powell, General Mattis, and I hear uh, fucking Jim Kelly, General Kelly, they're all going to come out against Trump. I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know, we, we could lose the country as we know it. And it's funny because people are thinking fucking Biden's going to be the goddamn savior. He's the fucking guy responsible. they are all been responsible for so long. Right. But want I don't even want to get into that. Right now, you know, I want to go back to <laughs> before we get off topic, man, because it can happen real easy is the whole uh, cop culture thing, man. And what we talked about, along, along with, you know, responsive force, right, you shouldn't be able to that should factor into something that should, um, you know, you should not be able to if you do a, a traffic stop or like the forgery or whatever, and the guy loses life. There should be some kind of review board, man, like a serious one, like they do in the military, because I can tell you, they they fucking, um, you know, uh, they don't play. Well, that's,
0: that's part of the problem is that this this lack of accountability, like if I as an individual member of the U.S. military conduct myself in such a way that it's found to be criminal, I'm under a microscope. There are multiple people reviewing every action they're interviewing, everyone that was around, they're getting witness statements. And the idea isn't to defend my actions. The idea is quite simply to either figure out if I was right or wrong, or in a lot of instances that I've seen, it's to crucify me because they want to make an example because they'll yes. discourage future because a lot of, of guys, there's
1: a lot of guys in Lemo are doing time for that right now. And what they did was wrong. You know what I mean? Now, did they say I you know, it's it's very complicated. For example, that first sergeant who fucking killed his insurgents, they knew for a fact were red-handed, he knew it. Fucking they're dirty handed. However, because the of rules of engagement, you know, and in the heat of the moment he made a wrong decision. He's like, I'm not fucking letting these guys go. I'm fucking smoking them because they're just gonna come back and they kill my dudes. Did he save guys' lives in the process? Right. I don't know. Who's to say? He did the wrong thing though. And that should be the way we're too. Also, and we talked about this. How do you But it's not do- they have a police union yeah. whose job it is to immediately from the go, the minute you're accused of breaking the law, defend yeah. you. Whether you're right or wrong, they're like the defense attorney. Where the fuck do they get the money for that? You know, and I go. Uh, I believe it's it's the union. I believe police officers pay union dues. Police officers make
0: really good money in this country. So if they're paying dues to a union, the union's probably rather well off. They're probably lawyered up really, really well. I would assume, and I'm just assuming. I can
1: can imagine the pitch. Like, say I'm a brand new rookie, and they're like, "Hey, man, you union up yet?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Look, trust me." You know, and these are all. This is what we can do for you if you caught. If you're caught in a jam, you know what I'm saying. And the- yeah, <clears throat> great example. Great example. Get this. Fun
0: fact. Not fun at all, by the way. Thirty-five states in the United States of America do not have laws protecting individual citizens from intercourse by police officers while on duty. Wait, say that again. Wrap your head around this. Wrap your head around this. Thirty-five states do not have laws protecting individuals from having sexual intercourse with an officer while on duty. So why did this come up? This came up because a young lady, she's a teenager, I forget she's 18 or 19, gets pulled over with her friends, cruising New York City, trying to find something fun to do. There's marijuana in the front seat in the cup holder. She's in the back seat. They let everyone else go but her. So the guys that she was with, they're, they're all told, you know, get the hell out of here. Jesus Christ. They,
1: there's two officers and of course they're going to do it. They're like, we're out, see you. We're out.
0: Um, So these two officers, one black, one white, on duty. They're in a they're in an NYPD van. They are undercover. So they don't have, you know, they have plain clothes on, but they identify themselves as officers during the traffic stop. They let everyone else go, put her in the van, drive around, repeatedly have sex with her. I'm going to say have sex because I wasn't there. She claims it was great. They claim it was consensual. They drop her off. This is seen on security camera, uh, uh, not far from their precinct. At no point in time did they file any paperwork, did they press any charges or citations on her at all. She then gets a ride from a stranger. She borrows a phone. She gets a ride. She tells her mom what happened. They go to the hospital. They do a rape kit. They find both officers' DNA inside of her. The officers resign from the police department but are under no fucking charges because – There isn't a law in the state of New York that says that a uniformed officer, while carrying out their duties, can't have consensual sex with a citizen. So because this teenage girl is being accused of consenting by the two officers, and there's no one around because they're inside their van, it's her word against theirs. If I, while in uniform, had sex with a citizen of another country, which is the only way it would happen, because obviously, wouldn't take place in this country. I would immediately be court-marted. There is no defense where I could say
1: I didn't know I wasn't supposed to bang
0: people. Like,
1: are you kidding me? Well, look. That <laughs> be me? No, you're right. And you, and I don't know. It depends. Um, as a sexual assault response coordinator, being trained, I know that you would definitely have your day in court, and just I'm going off statistics. Okay. Um, it, it might go up the chain, but more often than not, <clears throat> um, uh, sexual assault um, cases are found uh, not guilty more than they are guilty, which it sucks. And that's not good news. And I don't want to say that, but that honestly, that's the truth. There's a lot of shit's shit, got to be real, real airtight. And it, it sucks if you're a female, um, you know, to hear that, but that's the reality. So, you know, everything that you can do. <clears throat> to you know um of course, it's not and this is we're getting at a whole different subject, but I just wanted to point out that you know more often than not uh you know sharp- uh sexual harassments of and and rape and shit's like super it's a still a super sketchy process, that's why every conviction or, or conviction when that shit happens is very important, you know anyways um back to yeah. back to
0: i just can't fathom
1: a, a world where y- it
0: would be okay for two officers to place a teenage girl in a van drive around for hours let's say have consensual sex and then drop her off is okay no
1: it's not How that whole situation is not okay that goes without saying in case anybody needed to hear me say that I, that is definitely not okay from the jump all right and mm-hmm. but going back to you know our point african-americans you know, another point of cop culture is, you know, cops are fucking policing the hood and they're not even fucking from the hood. They don't live in the hood. And that needs to change. You know, I don't know if we need to you know, people like, well, you know, hey, Mike or or, or tech, whatever fucking, um, you know, people don't qualify shit. Like, I think that <clears throat> we need to have more that that gap needs to be bridged. Okay. You know, somehow there's got to be people in, in the hood that could do that job if they wanted to. That's how you would change police culture because you don't look at you – you will not – if you have officers like that, right, that are part of the neighborhood, that are a part of the community, they're not going to look at the person as the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the us versus them mentality. 100% agreed. Um, most of
0: the cops that I knew in New York City, for example – did not live in New York City. And if they did, they lived in these small little cop communities where, like, everyone was a cop. So when they went to their quote unquote beat, when they went to the neighborhood that they were sent to police, these weren't their
1: people. These were other people. Yeah, These were the course. same people that they stood in line at the grocery store you gonna treat somebody- <laughs> or went to church on <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, you're going to treat somebody fucked up that you live next door to them potentially or see them on the street every day or they know where you live. Of course not. You know, but some people are like, hey, Mike. Uh, you're not going to want to live in the hood, right? Like, well, then that goes into systemic racism, right? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but there were uh, redline districts, right? Way back when, you know, when the country expanding, neighborhoods are growing, right? You know, if you were black, you couldn't get a, uh, you couldn't get certain mortgages if you could get a mortgage at all, right? Because uh, there's an expression that goes, uh, there goes a neighborhood That's where that came from because I don't know if it's still true now, but back in the past, if let's say me and you, right, lived in an all-white community and a black family lived and then they moved right next door, you know, the doctors or the professionals, somehow, I don't know who made these rules up, but it would lower the fucking value, the property value of our houses, of the neighborhood no 100 percent. so i have friends in real estate that's when the expression came I'm, from I'm, that there goes a the neighborhood and i'm like i'm like what the fuck right. what is that no no no. i've got one for you so i'm sitting around with my
0: friends and this is actually family members of mine with some other friends and we're in a very well-to-do area of florida known as parkland florida <laughs> um and it's now famous for the parkland shooting and all that good stuff so parkland florida very well-to-do families very well-to-do communities everything's gated people own horses and you know expensive toys and all that good stuff and i'm at this uh, another barbecue type you know event and i forget what the code was it was a number code it was like 626 or 434 or whatever and somebody was talking about real estate because they were in the industry and they were in the mortgages and stuff like that and they were like yeah well We've already got three six two sixes. So we just gotta watch that we don't have that number go up anymore. Well, you know, drinks what? are flowing, people are relaxing. <laughs> okay. I, somebody. I was like, what is what is that number? And the number is the Lexus code for black on black. When you buy a Lexus and it has a black exterior and a black interior, there's a number code. They were using that code in casual conversation to say that they already had X amount of black families in that community. So they had to be careful to not get any more because it would bring oh down the property value. Yeah. That's how casual racism can be.
1: Yeah, and that's a perfect example of that's that institutionalized racism right there. That's it. Who made that fuck rule? Like who said that because I I'm a black doctor from fucking Harvard and stuff like that, but if I go on a bake way back in the day, you know, I'm I'm you know, i not how far back. I don't know how far back, but you know, I can't buy this property, right? And that's why we have fucking hoods everywhere because that wasn't just where. That was the only stuff that it was redlined. It was when a city was being built or some shit. There was, hey, this is a spot where fucking black families or people of color can live. You know, and I was like, who the fuck made that? What the hell? And yeah. that's institutionalized racism right there. You know that's not, and it and it is weaponized. It is used as a tool
0: because I also know real estate investors that use it in a different form. Um, there are real estate investors out there that will encourage a couple of black families to move into a community, thus driving down the property value, so they can buy other homes in that community at less money six months from now or eight months from now. And what's that Than called? what it was
1: simply by isn't that, uh, is that? I forget that gentr- what it's called. Gentrification is it?
0: Yeah, gentrification is kind of like that, but it's more of the other way. It's like when you take a, a negative community, a, yeah, an well, impoverished community, well, well, and you start that, bringing – Because that in.
1: reminds me of the speech, the monologue that um, – a great film, Boys in the Hood, okay, uh, that I watched as a, as a teenager. When Lawrence Fishburne was there trying to educate his son and his friends, and he talked about that. He's like, why in the black neighborhoods, you know, there's a gun store or there's a liquor store – you know, all this, yeah. Pawn shop yeah. and liquor you store. Know? And he talked about that.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and, and they're doing that still to this day, not only on a commercial aspect, because that's the, the, the commercial way that they do that. Like when I was in the Bronx, for example, I remember there was a lot of like signage, billboards, uh, benches that were covered in malt liquor advertisements, that were covered in Newport cigarette advertisements, that were covered. And all the stereotypical stuff that they want to poison the hood—you don't see that when you go out to the, you know, suburban areas. You don't see that when you go out to more oh, yeah. affluent areas. No,
1: they it's got not a lacking. Uh, <laughs> what's that? What's that grocery store that's real healthy? What's it called? Whole Foods. You see the veggie community, Foods. right? That's separate from the rest of the place. They, it's a bunch of fucking big ass houses, and then in your neighbor in that community, there's a a little tiny. It was in Maryland, man. When I was. Uh, with my ex-wife, you know, they, I told you that bedroom. they had their own fucking shopping center and shit like well, Whole Foods and Starbucks and it was just like right up the street. They didn't have to go anywhere. They had their own blockbuster and shit, you know. Um, yeah. So when, when I, that, that causes me to think about like, well, hey Mike, if, if, what were you, what would you do if you were in charge? You know, would you, uh, you know, I'd be like fucking, I would empower like, you know, how come there's not a bank owned by an African American. Are there any African American uh, bank owners? You know what I mean? I try to fucking as much as I could without yeah, having well, to be like, hey, man, this is how you level the, level the playing field, you know, and empower. Well, and unfortunately, here's the problem with that. I don't even know if it's possible. That you have
0: to remove racism from the equation because the fact of the matter is, that most blacks are killed by oh. other blacks, not by whites, not nope, by cops. So the other problem is the the Nipsey Hustle syndrome, which is where you have a young black entrepreneur in the hood doing everything in his power to, you know, empower other young black people to improve the situation from the inside out. And he gets killed I by know, another black that, man.
1: Did we come back to the whole uh, and uh, the chicken and egg question? Because the rebuttal to that would be that's, The system is designed that way to keep to keep us down. And that's what I was getting at earlier.
0: Don't treat the symptoms, treat the disease. We can't just point fingers at a symptom. We can't just say, look, that white cop did that to that black man. We have to treat the disease and say, why do we have an institutionalized law enforcement department? Why do we have this attitude in the quote unquote hood? That it's okay to act this way towards authority figures, towards each other, towards other minorities, until Hispanics stop treating blacks a certain way and blacks stop treating whites a certain way and whites stop treating Hispanics a certain way. Until we stop the the cycle, we're not going to solve it. And you'll always have an instance where we can point fingers and be like, see, they did that because they are, insert race,
1: insert religion, insert
0: Whatever you want.
1: Now, I'm not an economist, man, and I'm not uh, a humanitarian. I'm not a social engineer. Okay. And those are all huge questions. Those are all real things that people don't want to hear about. Right. But as far as the cop issue, okay, you know, I don't, there's a lot of things that feed into the whole situation that is, that is current, right? economic, socioeconomic stuff you know, but the hood, right, in quotation marks, those are policed by people who don't live there who don't, are not neighbors there you know what I mean? And I think that needs to change, you know well, I don't want to live there how come you don't want to live there? Well, because it's not really nice, well, you know what maybe if you did live there, you'd probably care a little bit more about how nice it is you know, and maybe if people saw you every day yeah. Right, whether and it's not going to be easy. There is going to be attrition, man. You know, but if there was some kind of program that did that, I'd fucking throw in with that. You know, well, and
0: that's just it. That takes actual effort because we're going to use the quote unquote the hood. The hood isn't necessarily just the inner cities of America, yeah. which there are plenty of, but there's also
1: plenty of rural there areas. Are poor man, are are the trailer park where the drugs are there. Um, yes, fucking, I've been there, man. I've lived there. You know what I'm saying? So, go go visit the hollers in Tennessee. Go go visit the hollers in Mississippi. You'll see it there as well. You know, I, my pers- yeah, my perspective so pers- is only from the south, but yeah, I sister, know, man. It's like, um, fuck, man. It could be a scene out of uh <clears throat> what's that movie? Oh, God damn it, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. I I all my experiences down south, you know? So, um, but yeah, no. It, but and people like, well, who are you going to do it? Like, There's got to be somebody there. And I would make a program. I would waive uh, <laughs> bullshit. I know people are like, well, you need to have a GED. You have to have this. You can't have any priors. You can't have any. I'd figure out through an extensive, some kind of interview process and I'd waive that shit to get the first iteration going. You know what, you smoked weed, you got busted a couple of times. You know what, I don't give a shit. You wanna change your life around? Hey, how about you sign up for this and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna help the community. You know, you're gonna change, you know, people are gonna. To-
0: also, I think that's excellent. And also I think empowering community leaders, because again, you can't just fix just the police department. It's the entire thing. It's like you said earlier, you have to worry about the judges. You have to worry about people in power that bring that rain down the regulation of the word comes from on high that you have to conduct yourself this way, that you have to be this way. So let's change on high. So that word comes down that you can't do those things anymore. That You can't conduct yourself in that fashion anymore, that we're not going to have your back if you get caught doing the
1: following things. Yeah. And for that, no, you sure need community too. leaders. You but need community leaders. But then a lot of times, man, those guys, those, you know, quote unquote, community leaders, they get compromised and or they get caught up in the whole. You got to see the bigger picture. Uh, I mean, Dr. Cornell West fucking said it best. You know, he's like, hey, we've had black faces in high places and they still couldn't deliver. You know, that's a quote from that guy. And I listen to what he says a lot. And he's a smart dude. Right. You know, and I'm like, fuck, yeah, he's probably correct. And people don't hold those people accountable, you know, fucking celebrities and shit, you know, black celebrities, are can, you know, like, what are they doing? Like somebody made a good point was, uh, you know, black, uh, you know, famous celebrities are bailing out, bailing out protesters. How about you take that money and bail out the fucking minorities and African-Americans, you know, businesses are fucking destroyed. Their life savings gone. They don't got insurance, man. How about you take that money and bail them out instead of some fucking kid rioting some fucking Antifa? Or why wait? Why wait until it becomes popular to, quote unquote, bail someone out?
0: Why didn't that money come out of your bank account before this started? Why didn't you pay for an after school program? Why didn't you pay for a GED education program? Why didn't your pocketbook open before the cameras were turned on and actually go into a community and be like, you know what, I'm going to cause some long term changes. I'm going to come into this community. I'm going to start some scholarships. I'm going to start some athletic programs. I'm going to, you know, build a homeless shelter. I'm going to build a shelter for women, yeah, no. battered um, women shelter. Why, why wasn't that action taken before this
1: became a quote unquote movement, before there was I'm a hashtag?
0: Why were you going to see those that
1: those things? things do happen? I'm. I'm pretty sure. I'm just gonna be optimistic and say that those things are do happen. We don't hear about it because that's not what makes news. Me and you know how the media works.
0: Well, maybe we should. You know what? I. I get a lot of feedback on social media specifically of people saying like, "Oh, don't do it because somebody's watching. Don't do it because you know the cameras are on." You know what? I don't care. I don't think the homeless person that gets a sandwich cares that you only did it for the Instagram followers. I think they care that their stomach's not empty because yeah. you gave them a sandwich. So maybe it's time that we start talking about that more in media and less about who's divorcing their wife or who got caught cheating sure. or who was you know, arrested no, at a strip right, club. Man. Maybe it's time that we start focusing the cameras on like, oh my God, this person did a
1: community project where they brought in you know tutors to teach kids how to read and write better. Yeah, um, I mean, you know me, dude. Fucking media is probably just a mouthpiece for the CIA anyways, but that's a whole other subject. And people are like, man, this dude's crazy. I don't care. Um, but you're right. No, there should they should have better stories. But I just feel that, um, one, there's going to be independent media journalists who are out there actually doing a really good job. But I don't know if we're going to see that on TV. Unless it plays into a greater, uh, you know, nuanced thing. I don't think we'll see that. But, you know, I definitely feel, though, that America's at a turning point. I don't want to, like, point that down to here. The turning point could be the last 15 years. I do know our country's at a turning point, and it can go either a better place or – and that's the thing, too, that people don't understand. Everybody wants to think about in, in terms of four years or eight years, but you got to look at it as a decade, like when hopefully – I mean, with the the, the convergence of technology, um, you know, and there's a lot of ridiculous things going on. Look, I saw a video when this was pretty disturbing to me when um, two white people were, like, kissing boots of Black Lives Matter protests somewhere in America, man. They were, like, kissing their – I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, that's a little bit – that's way crazy, and then this other shit that these uh, the, the fucking chief of police is laying down with his hands behind his back with his chin on the fucking ground. I, do we need to really is there a cathartic, you know, uh, thing that is necessary for for fucking people who have nothing to do with fucking anything to prostate themselves like that in public? What's your opinion on that, dude? Yeah, dude,
0: I find that disturbing to say the least. Um, I think Bill Burr said it really, really well. He had this whole uh, sketch that he did um, on like how he doesn't care about like these movies anymore. With like he used the Cuba Gooding Jr. being the diver in the military movie. He's like, you know, at first you watch Roots and you're like, oh my god, Jesus, don't do that! Oh, he's gonna hit him again! Stop hitting him! God, I get it, I get it, I get it. My people were horrible. They were horrible. It was this is horrible. But then as time goes by. He's cracking the joke about how <sighs> they just keep making movies over and over and over again about how hard it was. And like the one that he's specifically talking about is how there's these like swim team and like all the trials and tribulations, you know, they went through to become like a black swim team. And he's like, it's just ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous because like I've been to the pool, I've been to public pools, and I've never seen anybody being like, you can't go in this pool. And, you know, it's funny, it's a skit he's doing. But if I'm not mistaken, he's actually married to an African American woman. So it's oh, coming Her? from him.
1: It's hilarious. I yeah, know. Oh yeah. And I they think so, yeah. Podcast, man, which is hilarious. They go at each other. And um you know, but they love each other. And I, I've been in interracial interracial, you know, relationships, a couple of them. And uh yeah, it's you know that stuff is he has a unique perspective. It forces you to have a, a different perspective on certain things. And, of course, in intimate, which I'm not going to talk about, you know, conversations, you know, when people care about each other, they talk open with each other like, oh, how do we do this? You know, how do you navigate this shit? That's when it gets, you know, very complicated, you know, because you're. Well, yeah, because even in the military, we, we
0: do certain actions um, to ingratiate ourselves with the populace. So um, I, I remember having like a tea ceremony in Iraq with some, you know, tribal leaders or whatever. And it was a big deal to act incredibly humble and incredibly respectful. But at no time was I going to conduct myself in such a way that I put myself beneath anyone else. Like, I'm not going to kiss anyone's anyone. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen because at the end of the day, not only would I be insincere in my action, because I didn't feel that way. Um, and if you feel that way, that's your right also. By all means, kiss somebody's feet. But um, as, as a representative of the U.S. military um, force, I had to watch what I said and what I did, not just on the positive side, but on the negative side as well at all times. delicate balance between saying, hey, man, you're a human being in my eyes, and I Having said that, I respect you. I respect the fact that we're on foreign land. I respect the fact that it's a bad situation. But if you give me a reason, I'm going to kill you. Like that's, you know, at the same time, that's always there. I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, you know, we're so sorry we're here. We understand we're disturbing your entire social infrastructure. Is there anything I can do to show you? Just let me emulate some kind of false flag to show you just – how bleeding heart i am no because it's disingenuous because the fact of the matter is no matter how much i like you no matter how much i respect you no matter how awful a situation i find myself in if tomorrow morning we're on the other side of a firing line i'm going to shoot you in the face like let's not make (laughs) believe it's gonna happen
1: i agree with you and that that you know brings me to the point too when my whole stance on I'm still trying to wrestle with it or, or grasp it or maybe empathize or try to put myself in the shoes. But when fucking all these people on social media or some, I talk to somebody who doesn't know me, who doesn't know my background, but all I can see is like my complexion on my skin, depending on whether it's fucking wintertime or summertime, you know, depends on how bronze I look. OK, you know, versus uh, ivory or whatever the fuck color. I'm white, you know. So and then people talk me like, oh, you got your privilege. I don't know what the fuck that means, you know, and usually the person that's telling me about my fucking white privilege is somebody who came from a nuclear family, who's college educated, who wasn't fucking poor, who didn't live in the hood, who didn't fucking have any black friends, never dated outside of their fucking race. You know what I mean? Who the fuck are you telling me about my white privilege and my white guilt? What is that? I don't know what that is, because I remember how I grew up. Yeah, another great, another great comedian that had a, a, a little
0: skit on that was Theo Vaughn. And Theo Vaughn is like, yeah, man, I'd be like hanging out with like, these black kids in this neighborhood and they'd be like, your people did this, your people did that. And he's like, my people, if I did any of those things, why would I move into this neighborhood right next to you? Like, man, are we going to split this plum or what? And it was so hilarious the way he said the story, because it's true, you know, I remember being um, in Harlem where me and my two brothers were the only three non-blacks. This is not just regular Harlem. This is the polo grounds. This is a part of Harlem that other people are like, wow, that's like the bad part or whatever. And um, I remember <clears throat> we we're having a conversation about rap music or something. And some kid said something to me about uh, how it's okay for like him to use certain terminology or phrases, but it's not okay for me to do it. And I turned and looked at him and I was like, we live in the same neighborhood what at what point does it become okay for you and not okay for me we go to the same school we walk the same streets we play basketball the same courts i ride my bicycle and have the same concerns about the police as i do about the thugs that you do so what the complexion of your skin the kinkiness of your hair what what gives you this halo of behavior that you can act this way but i can't we literally are living the same
1: lives. Yeah, no. We, we, it was ridiculous. We ride the same subway. No, it's true. I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm still trying to, like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'm just trying to see it from there. Yes, I understand that if right now, if I get, but that's not like, the, you know, if I get pulled over by a cop, I will get treated differently. I understand that. Okay. But to tell me that I'm, that, well, that's your privilege. Like, look, I, there wasn't like that when I was a kid, man. Because privilege to me means that, um, <laughs> you know, I had to like a, like I had a heart you know, it's just not how I came up, and that's not the word that would come to their mind, you know. Lance, like, and especially I should feel, you know, guilty or fuck, I don't know, man. And and the only person that. The only fucking whites that feel that way are not fucking poor whites who grew up next to the fucking Mexicans and the black kids who are poor just like them, who are trying to fucking, you know, with the single mothers in the hood, you know, or the trailer park or where the fuck they were living, the projects or the low income housing, you know, borrowing sugar from each other, trying to figure out how to keep their kids alive. Also, you know, how to get the hell out of there in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, Those women... You know, because that's who mostly they were, those single women, you know, nobody celebrates them. Nobody talks about that, you know, shit. So my mother, who is a lot darker than I am, you know, can you imagine somebody talking to her about her fucking privilege when she has me and my sister living in fucking low-income housing in the fucking hood in North Carolina by herself, you know? I can only imagine uh, <laughs> her response to some bullshit like yeah. that you know Um, this, this shit is taught you know nobody talked about white privilege I, I, you know I haven't heard it, about it until fucking like that was a word or in the lexicon until like fucking five or six years ago right little sure, phrase sure. that came up out of nowhere probably you know I don't know yep. so on that thing I'm kind of torn Because it kind of pisses me off, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at that through my own um, experiences. You you know what I mean? But it doesn't mean that I don't recognize, Hey, I get treated differently than other people because of my perceived fill in the blank. I understand that, you know? Right.
0: Well, because even in my case where um, much like yourself, I darken a lot in the southern climate and I lighten up when I go up north because I'm um, half Dominican and half Spanish, uh, and yeah. therefore my, my ethnic brothers, background led the know, tan and real. And your, parents. Yeah. your parents, yeah, are, are very, yeah, I'm way darker than my parents, yeah, yeah. My parents are as white as can be. Like, if you look at family pictures, <laughs> we look like a white family, yeah. and then there's me, um, but like. <laughs> But, I mean, obviously, I'm not confused with being black, but I am confused with being, you know, uh, Puerto Rican or Mexican or, of course, even Middle Eastern in recent climates, you know, because, you know, I, oh, yeah. I have certain and Nobody talks
1: about that. Um, nobody talks about the racism I, between no. Hispanic cultures.
0: Between you know subcultures,
1: know I mean? right. But what the point I was making, though, is that depending on how I'm
0: conducting, not conducting myself, but how I, I come across at first glance. So if I'm wearing a suit, And I'm driving a Jaguar um, and I get pulled over and the interaction with myself and law enforcement is much different, much different than if I am driving around in like my old Trans Am or my pickup truck and I'm dressed in my jeans and a T-shirt. And that interaction is, again, much different then I'm out with my friends on our Harley Davidson's and we've got our cuts on and our chain wallets and, and so on and so forth. So it's more it's more complicated than just saying it's race. It's perception. It's it's prejudging. It's prejudice. It's more than it is racism, in my opinion. I think it's we got to break down the barriers that say that person's wearing those clothes or listening to that music. And therefore, that leads me to believe that they are that type of person. That's so ignorant. That's just so, so, so ignorant. You can meet some of the nicest people and some of the most horrible people from all walks of life. We need to stop doing that. We need to stop immediately judging based upon what kind of car they drive or how big their house is. I mean, I know millionaires that wear jeans and T-shirts every day. And I know guys that are totally broken in debt that are leasing luxury cars and wearing suits every day. So... That has nothing to do with what kind of a person people are. But we propagate that in media. If you have this appearance, you're this type of person. And if you have that appearance, you're that type of person. And if we don't start there, then we're never going to get the, to the solution because we're always going to prejudge. And then that leads to sure. racism.
1: Um, I think there's always going to be a level of – I don't, don't want to say racism because, like, to me, those terms – I, I I don't I don't believe that's an umbrella for ketchup. I think things need to mean certain things you know um you know uh ethnic cleansing you, you know just like when uh, Rwanda right when the hutus when were killing the Tutsis, you know i you know based on uh just who would tribe they are from just killing people i mean that's racism right that's the, the the most black and white hearted like that's it there's it's a no-brainer ethnic cleansing and a span of time bosnia bosnia serbs
0: versus uh croats you know and it, it, they all looked exactly the same but on this side you know you had christians sure. on that side you had muslims and and they were Ethically you know, cleansing each other, but it's to it's me, ridiculous. When somebody
1: says you're racist, racism. That's what I envision. You know, I don't try to water down or make it so broad that you don't know what the fuck's going on anymore because I think that's dangerous. You know, that's like uh, that, that. That gives it gives credence to be abused. Right? Like if I fucking broaden the term assault, like criminal assault. Let's say I just stretch that term to the horizons, you know, and I assaulted your feelings and I can be able to send you to prison because of that. Like, that's dangerous. That that, low, that road leads to bad things. And It doesn't lead to anything good or anything free, for sure. You know what I mean? So I think there's terms that <clears throat> you can't just say shit. Words mean things, you know. Um, but going back to the whole the law enforcement situation, I, I really feel that, you know, if, if, uh, if there was some kind of program that allowed people to build a law enforcement agency or organization or man it with people based on their communities who lived in the communities, who were part of the communities, or from the communities, that, that would be like an organization. Even if I wasn't from there and the majority of other people were, I could, I could get behind that, man. I would probably sign up for that. You know, even if I'd live in a spot that, you know, for better purposes, is like, oh, this house sucks. You know what I mean? But if it was for a greater good of that nature, I would live there, man. I would I would buy a house and I would fucking stay there and I'd be part of that community. You know, that that'd be like something I could really get behind with, you know, as far as uniforms concerned. And I think that'd be really I think that would really change things. You know?
0: Well, and that's how we change things. We change things as a community, as a team. You get together with your neighbors. You get together with your friends. You start going to your community meetings. How many people really go to their community board meetings? You know, like I see these videos. It's mostly an empty room unless the topic is really controversial. But people think it's all about whether or not we should put a stop sign on this road. It's more than that. It's having your voice heard. It's having the people who sit on that board recognize you when you come up to the podium and be like, oh. You better pay attention because Williams is here. Like, that's what matters. You need to start being more outspoken and you need to go out to your neighbors and get petitions. Find out if everyone thinks like you. And if they do, then why hasn't it changed? Because you are your community. America is its own community. The citizens are what matter. Hey, newsflash, there's a lot more citizens than there are law enforcement. So if there's a problem with law enforcement in your community, there's more than enough of you to change it. But you can't wait until something negative happens and then just complain about it. Because complaining without offering a solution no, is just right. bitching.
1: So you're but, either you a know, bitch- those, those things are difficult too. You know, some people fight the good fight and they don't win. You know, and, and I understand that.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Some people throw huge Super Bowl parties and have never thrown a political party in their life also. Okay? We spend a lot more time in front of the TV set watching professional athletes make millions of dollars than we do at community hearings, trying to vote on things that matter. Like, whether or not our police department needs armored vehicles or Apache attack helicopters or Blackhawks. <laughs> like, our budget should really be going towards that instead of building a skate park or instead of building, you know, yeah. an art school. And, and, bringing and some tutors. people are
1: trying to do that now. I'm sure you've seen the whole fucking, all the news articles on defund the police. I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I think you're... To an extent, it's
0: not a good idea. I don't want police departments to be like teachers where they have to buy their own bullets because, you know, we, we defunded them. But at the same time, maybe they have to have some accountability on where they're no, spending right. a lot of those funds. Because I know police departments that have armored vehicles and helicopters and this and that, and their their justification is, well, we need the tools to fight the That's criminals right. no, because the, the criminals, like, you know... Have yeah, and it's like a snake weapons. eating
1: his tail, right? Because where do they get that money from? Because when they do... Uh, uh, what, what's that shit called? That What's that law? Something about seizures? Forfeiting seizures?
0: Yeah, when they do... Uh, yeah, something with seizures where they can just seize without having like a trial or anything like that. People, it's famous. You can Google it. You can look it up on YouTube. People get pulled over with too much cash on them and that amount of right. cash is suspicious. That's I remember it. one instance where a they gentleman make, was going to yeah, an office by can a make, car or a boat and that's his it. money they was can, seized. Uh, I, I
1: can't remember what the hell it's called. But anyways, they can take your money. And asset, there you go. Forfeiture. asset, forfeiture. asset forfeiture. and they do that with the uh, the drug guys too right you bust somebody the drug guy got an right. entire house he gonna keep he's got their the, car the wall, wall space is filled with cash they could take the the police company could take that uh, that drug money and they spend it on whatever and this is what they spend it on right so and that's the problem too because once cash along with everything else once cash is in, injected into a situation, Unfortunately, it makes it worse, you know, which is a whole nother symptom. But yeah, yeah, policing for profit.
0: Hey, we have to have quotas because if we don't get enough tickets, then we're not going to have the money to throw a dope policeman's ball. So get out there and start pulling people over. That's the wrong answer. And we should be pushing harder in these communities so that we can confiscate more so that we have more assets is the wrong answer. That's not good policing. Good policing would be to stop the criminals from committing the crimes, not to profit off of the criminals that we bust yeah. for committing the crimes. What, that's like not doing the right answer so that's you can keep treating it. that's what complicated,
1: it. man. Me and you know that. You know, that's when the, the talks start happening. Like, hey, man, check it out. We're getting criminals off the street and we're getting the department more money to get more criminals off the street, to get even yeah. more money, to get even more, you know, and yeah. it just never stops. It never fucking yeah. stops
0: you know No, it's a self-propagating program. It feeds
1: itself like you said it's the snake eating its own tail. So. Well, anyhow, I think Ugh. dude, we had a long all right. long podcast and I hope I can um I hope it, I hope I can yeah. post it yeah. all of it because I think this conversation for me was really cathartic. I I had a lot on my chest that I wanted to get off. A lot that I wanted to, you know, talk about. Good. But, um <clears throat> you know.
0: Hey, real quick before we end up I do want to give you some homework. So I found this podcast. It's called the endless thread or the endless thread presents or whatever. It's endless thread. Um, you can find it. It's on Spotify, but there's a specific uh, series of paths that they have called madness. And it's about the CIA programs in America, like the craziest CIA programs. And I want you to check that out for yourself. I, I, I admittedly haven't had enough time to really check it out in depth. I plan on doing so today, but it's, We're going to hit this hard on our next cast. We're going to give the whole BLM thing a break. Let's get a breath of fresh air. (sighs) CIA programs funded by your tax dollars and just how crazy, because there's really no other adjective, how crazy we have justified some of the things that we've done to our citizens.
1: No, I'm sort of, I got a cursory track, you know, I'm tracking some of that. Um, Yeah. For me, as far as this whole stance goes, the BLM thing, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig into my local government and I'm going to find out who's who. And I'm going to fucking vote. And that's all I can do. And that's my promise. And that's my, uh, you know, that's the fucking change I'm going to make for my African-American friends. You know, I'm going to find out who is, you know what I mean, who might not be skewing the system. So that way I can get these people out And do my part in my local area, which is upstate New York, you know, so it's a little bit different Uh, if I was in Columbia, South Carolina, you know, I I guarantee there's a lot more activity I can get into. But up here, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to dig into my local government up here to make sure that the African American population up here, you know, can have the right people. He's yeah, properly exactly. represented. know. Yeah. So that's what that's yeah. what I'm gonna do. All right.
0: That's it for this week. I'm
1: done. I gotta go. I got a garage to clean. I got errands to run. All right. Thanks. Guys. Thanks for listening to the Tech and Bones podcast. Uh tune in next time.
0: Help yeah. us save the world.
1: <laughs>